Thank you so much. Amen. God bless. Amen. Miss Connie, would you mind playing for us here just a, just a moment while these kids come down and just play a little bit for us? Our kids for Children's Church are going to meet over here to my left. You're right at the Welcome Center. So they're coming from the balcony and all across. Y'all go ahead and make your way as the choir comes down. We'll just take just a moment for transition for that. And uh, so do that. Make sure you enjoy that time in children's church. Amen. Colossians chapter 1 is where we're turning. And thank you so much. Thank you. Colossians chapter 1. Still got some coming. We'll give them just a few moments. But Colossians chapter 1, if you would find verse 19. Colossians chapter 1, <clears throat> verse 19. Tell you something, a friend of mine told me this week uh, here in town, he doesn't attend our church, but he watches our church every week online. And um, if you, he always calls me biggin'. I don't know what that means, but anyhow. But I've noticed he calls everybody biggin'. But so anyhow, so even little people, he calls them biggin', so I don't feel so bad. But he told me, he said, hey, biggin'. He said, um, I want to tell you I'm really enjoying what you're uh, preaching from Colossians. I said, well, thank you so much. I pray it's a blessing to you. And he said, I always look to see how many handkerchiefs you got. And that way I'll know how long I need to plan to sit there, right? And I just told him, I said, so just in case my old buddy's watching, we keep a drawer full. So anyhow, if I, if I soak one, we just move on to the next one. But anyhow, I just tell him that I'm, well insulated and well hydrated is what I call it, right? So anyhow, uh, I thought that was rather funny when he said, let me just see how many hankies you got, know how long. He said, I usually get on my treadmill during church. <laughs> he said, that's how I know how long I've got to walk. So anyhow, I just figure it like this. If we can get the gospel to people, and if, if, if you're like me, when I'm on a treadmill or an elliptical, I can't do anything but think about that. There's no way I could like watch me. I mean, I would be like, I'm dying, so I can't listen. But some people it works for. And so nevertheless, uh, we just want to get the gospel out there, don't we? Amen? That's what we're here for. We're not here for ourselves. We're here for those who need Jesus the most. Amen? And I'm like the song said, I still remember the day he saved me. Anybody with me today? I still remember the day he called my name. Anybody with me today? Oh, look, he said he loved me. Keith, he'd never leave me. And I have never been the same. Just like my friend Eric says, I'm just a man who has a Savior that got up from the dead and I ain't got over it, amen? I'm afraid a lot of people have. And I believe today the text will help you. And maybe encourage you that if you have got over it, that uh, you would rediscover the joy of your salvation and that your life would never be the same as a result of being here today. Amen. I'm not going to do like Nick Saban and put my water there, okay? So right here. But nevertheless, Colossians chapter 1, verse 19. If you found your place physically able, stand with me. Honor and reverence the reading of the Word of God. It's also going to be on the screens there. Miss Carrie doing a good job keeping us online there today. And Tim and David are doing a good job with our projection and keeping our online service going and our sound. Appreciate y'all today very much. And uh, follow with me as we read the word of God. Colossians chapter 1 verse 19. Here's what the Bible says. It said, for it pleased the Father that in him, speaking of Jesus, all the fullness should dwell. 
and by him to reconcile all things to himself by him whether things on earth or things in heaven having made peace through the blood of his cross and you who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight if indeed you continue in the faith grounded and steadfast and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard which was preached to every creature under heaven of which I Paul became a minister pray with me Father in Jesus name I thank you for the privilege to be in this house on this day I thank you for the honor to stand before your people and hold in my hand your word. Read its content and Father as best I know how proclaim its truth. I pray that we are all changed today as a result of being in this house of worship and hearing what your word says to us. We pray it all in Jesus name. Amen and amen. Thank you and you may be seated. So we continue this series of messages on the book of Colossians that we're calling the series Our Supreme Savior. I'm speaking today to you on the God of reconcilable differences. You know how it is when folks seem to not be able to get together on a dispute. They may use the term irreconcilable differences. Today we're going to talk about a God who is the God of reconcilable differences. So our journey through Paul's letter to the church at Colossae continues to challenge us to uphold not only the supremacy but also the sufficiency of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as by the only means by which a man or woman, boy or girl, can receive eternal life. You see, it's simply Jesus plus nothing that makes us a child of the King. Amen? It's not Jesus plus something is Jesus plus nothing. And the reason I tell you that is, is we need to keep in mind that the city of Colossae was filled with false teachers who were giving roots to the belief system of Gnosticism. You see, the doctrines of Gnosticism went on to reach their heights in the second century, but the very seeds of that dangerous doctrine were being planted and sown in the first century church of which we're reading about today. You see, the false teachers in and around Colossae, they believed that Jesus Christ alone was not an adequate source of salvation. Here's what they believed. They believed that it was Jesus Christ plus something else. Uh, more specifically, they believed that it was Jesus Christ plus knowledge that brought salvation. They believed that God was good, but all matter was evil. And this was the basis of their teaching that because God was good, he could not have created evil matter. They concluded that God carried out a series of emanations that went from good to evil, meaning it started out its best and then got worse as it went. They believed that the first emanations from God were good and that the latter ones were evil. And in their way of thinking, Jesus was just one of those higher or good emanations. 
However, they believed that the lower or bad emanations were demons who formed a barrier between God and man. They believed that the only way a person could break through this barrier was through superior knowledge and help from the angels which led to the sin of angel worship. Do you realize the problems that Paul had before him as he instructed Epaphras, as he instructed this pastor who was leading a church at Colossae uh, there in Philemon's house, that he would be able to take these words back and be able to instruct people of the truth of the gospel so that they would not fall victim to the sin of Gnosticism. I believe knowledge of Scripture is a good thing. I believe knowledge of things out there are good. That's why we teach our kids, we send them to school. We teach them how to read, write, add, subtract, multiply, divide, and all these other things. We teach them about history. We teach them about science. Nothing wrong with that. But when it comes to salvation, it is not Jesus Christ plus superior knowledge. It is Jesus Christ and him alone that provides eternal salvation. You see, the Colossian teachers had three major flaws in their teaching when it comes to Christ. And I'm going to put each one of those up and talk with you about them. They're up there for you. Let's talk about each one. There were three flaws of their teaching. One was is that they denied his humanity. They denied the humanity of Jesus Christ, the literal incarnation of the Son of God. And since they believed that all matter is evil, it was inconceivable to them that a good emanation like Jesus Christ would take on a human body. Paul deals with that heresy in just a moment here in verse 22. So they denied his humanity. They also denied his deity. They denied that since God was good and he was the opposite of evil, they protested that God could ever become a man. Paul confirms this truth of Christ being God in the flesh when we get to chapter 2, verse 9. So there's two problems. They denied the humanity, they denied the deity of Jesus, and then they denied the sufficiency of Jesus. They taught that salvation was not attainable by Christ and Christ alone. But as we go further in our study in chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, Paul gives a great declaration to the sufficiency of Jesus Christ. So as we talk about this God of reconcilable differences and realize that we understand the scripture teaches us that we are sinners in need of a savior, we had to be reconciled to God. There had to be a way for that to happen. We have to deal with the false teaching that was taking place in this day because, friend, let me tell you something. That false teaching hasn't gone away. There's still plenty of it out there. There are so many people still believing in a works-based salvation, even in the Bible Belt, believing that they just hope they do more good than bad and that they're okay when Jesus calls them from this earth. Well, let's notice with me, if you would, in verse 19 and 20, I want you to notice the peace of reconciliation. You see, reconciliation is what takes place when there is a restoration of a right relationship between God and man. See, God's ultimate plan for the universe was to reconcile all things to himself, but how would he do that? Well, for reconciliation to take place between God and man, there has to be a mediator. Amen? The Bible tells us in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, 
that there is one God, one mediator between God and man, and that is the man Christ Jesus. Man, you could stop right there and preach for a month of Sundays, amen? We were separated by sin. We needed to be reconciled to the Father, and the only possible way for reconciliation to ever take place was through a mediator, and God provided the mediator through his Son, who is the man, Christ Jesus. See, there is no doubt that God had a definite plan for our reconciliation, but that plan involved the man of reconciliation. See, it's not just good enough to have the plan of reconciliation. There had to be a man of reconciliation that made it possible. Notice a very key word, if you will, in God's plan through the man Christ Jesus. He uses the word fullness. Do y'all know what it means to be full? Let me look around. Yeah, I think y'all been full before, amen? I have too, amen, and I know, and I, I resemble that comment. But nevertheless... We know what fullness are. You know, when you even when you fill up your gas tank, I, I know none of y'all are like me. None of y'all have this OCD thing. But when it stops at 20, well, $83.69, you're just going to hang the pump off, ain't you? Nah, nah, nah. You're just going to go ahead and get your 84, ain't you? Somebody help me, okay? I'm feeling weird. All right, good. You're like, nope, I got to get that to zero. All right, so it's just, so we, we, we want it to be full because <laughs> here's the truth of the matter. We don't know how much it's going to cost tomorrow, right? <laughs> so we're going to get all we can get out of it. I once heard this preacher that I did a, a, a funeral with when I was a young pastor in my first church, way back in my early 20s, this man said to me, he said to me, he said, now son, if you're going to be a good pastor, here's what you got to do on Sunday. You, you got to give the people just enough to kind of get them filled a little bit, but always leave them hungry so they'll come back for more. Angie asked me this morning, anybody ever been to the Loveless Cafe outside of Nashville, Tennessee? Nobody? Woo! Kit Terry, testify, sister. They bring out, I mean, buckets of chicken and buckets of beans and buckets of biscuits. I mean, and, and every star that's ever been a star, I mean, way back people like Porter Wagner, you know, their pictures on the wall. These kids don't know who Porter Wagner is, okay? Y'all get them on YouTube and they'll get some culture. Yeah, but nevertheless, uh, that cafe, I went there for a meeting at Lifeway years ago and they took the whole van load of pastors. We're going out to Loveless Cafe and it's out, in the, out on I-40. But I'm telling you, when you left that place, if you left half full and you didn't leave completely full, it was not their fault, right? And I remember this pastor telling me that and I'm thinking, I don't know about y'all, but if I pull up to the table and you only put enough out there to just kind of, you know, get me started, and I don't get full, I probably don't want to come back to that table. Amen? Ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you what. I believe when you come to the house of God on the Lord's day, I believe it's a day whether you come in here bone dry 
Or do you come three quarters and you got a half a tank and you need to be filled up? I believe that you ought to come to this place and find a word from God that will fill you to overflowing and inspire and encourage you to go into a lost world with a message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That you would raise your hallelujah, that you would stand in his love, that you would shout glory to God so that when you leave this place, you don't go out saying, well, I'm still about half full. Guess I'll come back next week and see if they can help me more. No, ladies and gentlemen, we need to leave this place completely overflowing because there's a world out there that wants to steal your joy and you need to find it in the house of God. I believe that, don't you? Amen, I do. Fullness. Let me get back to that. I got ahead of myself, right? <laughs> Here's what it means. It means that the totality of divine power and attributes are in Christ Jesus. See, this was the total contradiction to the false teaching of the Gnostics. They taught that Jesus was a lesser God, little g-o-d. Here's what Paul says. He says, listen to me, church. You don't need to look any further than Jesus to discover the full revelation of the character of God. He says, you don't need to look in nature. You don't need to try to find greater knowledge. He says, if you're looking for the full revelation of the character of God, you will find him in the person of Jesus Christ. Wow. Here's what I know. Because he is the fullness of God's character, he was totally qualified. You believe Jesus was qualified? He was totally qualified to be the means by which God would reconcile all things to himself. Wow. And as we're reconciled to God, we're at peace with him. But friend, can I tell you, that peace did not come without a price. Our personal reconciliation to God took nothing less than the death of his son on the cross. Oh, I love 2 Corinthians 5, 17 and following. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us, listen, the ministry of reconciliation. Oh, that's a good word. Listen, that is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses on them and has committed to us, oh, listen, the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Oh church, I'm telling you, there ought to be a shout in the house today when it comes to realize what it took to take you from the gutter to the blessing of God. What it took to take you from traveling the highway to hell to the highway of holiness. Ladies and gentlemen, when we realize what it took and what it cost God and then what he said he said you have been given the ministry of reconciliation. 
That means we ought to be ministers of reconciliation. That means when somebody asks of the hope that lies within us, we have the answer through the ministry of reconciliation. Why? Because we have received the word of reconciliation. Oh, God is good. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to hear me today. Sin has caused a great separation between us and the Father. Jesus himself bore the pain of that separation because he was the instrument by which reconciliation took place. <laughs> I don't know if you did or can remember, <clears throat> excuse me, watching the movie The Passion of the Christ like a lifetime ago now, it seems like. One of the most moving scenes in that movie to me was when Mary, the mother of Jesus, was at the foot of the cross. One of the most moving scenes to me was when she was there and there was John. You know, John was the only one there. The others had hightailed it, hadn't they? They were hiding. They didn't know if after Jesus died they were going to come for them. But John stood there with Mary. And as I watched that scene, I couldn't help but think, why did he do that for me? Why would he do that for you? Why would he do that for the world? Because a reconciliation had to take place and he was the mediator and he loved you that much. Notice with me a second thing if you would. Notice also the people of reconciliation. Excuse me, I want to make sure I ain't got ahead of myself. The people of reconciliation. Have you ever stopped long enough to consider just who we were apart from a relationship with Jesus Christ? Here's what the Bible says, and it's right out of the text. We were alienated and enemies by wicked works. That's who we were. If you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, keep in mind, I'm not throwing a rock at you. I'm throwing a rope to you. And I want you to know that even though you may come in here today alienated and an enemy of the cross because of wicked works, I want you to know there is a God who wants to reconcile you to him today. See, the Greek word for alienated indicated a permanent and persistent condition. It's ongoing. See, they're already perishing. That means that without the action of God on our part, we were without hope. <laughs> Amen. I heard this guy say the other day, he said people talk about what it was like when they found Jesus. So no, wasn't Jesus wasn't the one that was lost. It's when he found you, you were the one that was lost. Amen? Oh, listen, there had to be an action on his part. Can I tell you this? Just as much as we talk about the hounds of hell that chase us and try to cause us to stumble and are always barking and trying to bring fear into our life, can I tell you just as much and even more so, there is a loving God. There is a loving God who is pursuing your heart today. He is pleading with you through the Holy Spirit of God and he is asking you today to allow the blood of the mediator, his son, to cleanse you from all sin and make you his child. He is pursuing your heart and the action is on his part. But Paul goes on to say this. He said, you were enemies in your mind. Wow, what about, what's that mean? You see, unbelievers are often hateful toward God by our sinful condition. Not just by our sinful condition, but also by our attitudes. Unbelievers hate God. They resent his holy standards. 
They resent his commands because they are engaged in evil works that are contradictory to his holy character. I'll never forget the first time we went to Salt Lake City. Sin City Missionary told us this. He said this culture is 70% Mormon. And I just want to go ahead and tell you what that means. That means they're lost. It means they have no hope of eternal salvation. It means they are headed to hell. He said about 28% on top of that are people who don't want to have anything to do with anything anywhere anyway. So there's 98%. 28% just have no. Look here, these are those folks. They resent him. They hate him because some people misrepresent him and it's not just the Mormons. Amen? Notice what the Bible says in John 3, 19 and 20. And this is the condemnation that the light that has come into the world and men love darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light, does not come to the light, lest his word, works, and deeds will be exposed. Sometimes those who are walking in darkness don't want to have any con con contact with the light because the light reveals our sinfulness and our need of a Savior. For I want to tell you today, if the Holy Ghost of God has enlightened your heart today and made you realize that you are lost without God and you are a sinner in need of a Savior, please don't run from the light. Would you run to the light today? I want to encourage you to run to the light. You see, the good news is this, that God's will for us to remain alienated in enemies, it's not his will at all for us to remain that way. It is his will for us to be reconciled to him. Notice what verse 22 says again, if you will. It says that he reconciled us in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy, blameless, and above reproach in his sight. Walk through this with me. Paul said there were three goals of reconciliation, and here they are. They should be on your screen. One is to present you holy. You know that God wants you to present you holy before the Father? See, holy means this. It means to be separated from sin and set apart to God and for God's purpose. No, you say, well, preacher, I know I'll never be perfect. You're not perfect. Nobody in here is perfect. Absolutely, you could not be more correct. But I want to tell you what makes a child of God holy. It's not what we did, but what he did. It's not what we can do to gain favor with God. It's what we do by bowing before Jesus, acknowledging him as Savior, repenting of our sins, and trusting his finished work on Calvary to be enough to purchase eternal life for you and me. Second goal is this. He wants to present you blameless. You see him right there, blameless. You know what blameless means? It means without blemish. Keith, you're an old baseball guy. I can remember when we would start practice every year. Boys, y'all probably, I don't know if y'all still do this or not. But I remember lots of times we used those Wilson A-1010s. You remember those? And we'd get a box over here and they'd have a little blue dot on them. Wilson A-1010 blims. Remember them? You know what that meant? Right? You know what it meant, right? It meant it had a little blemish on it. A little stitch here out of the way, a little stitch there out of the way. Uh, you know, something, you know, something old Rusty Hyatt would try to sneak into the game so his curveball would break a little more. I know, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, no. But I remember those blemishes. See, I just have to see if y'all listen sometimes because y'all sometimes look at me like a redneck staring at a closed waffle house. But anyhow, I... <laughs> some of y'all get that tomorrow. That was a time about two years ago. That wasn't a joke anymore, was it? <laughs> I'm riding my clothes off my house. I want to take my picture to staring at it. Man, what's up with this? But them blemish balls, 
they, they were good for practice because they were cheaper. You could buy them cheaper. You, could, you didn't have to spend as much for them, and they were good for those things. But when it came game time, you didn't play with a blem. You played with one that had no blemishes on it, supposedly. But nevertheless, here's the deal. You and I are blems. See, those balls had one little dot on them to let them know there was a blemish somewhere. Lord, I just think to thinking about when I stood before God as a broken sinner, lost in my sin, I can't imagine the blue dots that was all over me, amen? Blue dots and black dots and everything else, I probably looked like a polka-dotted sinner, but I'll tell you what, I know one thing, that even though I was blemished, even though I was lost, even though I had no way to fix myself, the precious darling son of God shed red blood on Calvary's cross that cleansed my blemished heart. Amen? Made me blameless before a holy God. He said, preacher, I don't understand how that does. You've heard me say it before. Some people say, I don't know how you take a black heart, wash it with red blood, come out white as snow. I don't know how a black cow eats green grass and makes white milk, but I'll tell you right now, it happens. Amen? It happens, and the word of God is clear. He wants to present you blameless, but there's a third thing. He wants to present you above reproach. Listen to me, child of God. This goes beyond being blameless. He makes us blameless through what he did for us on the cross, but he wants you to live above reproach. Here's what it means. It means not only that we are without blemish, but also that no one can bring a credible charge against us. You ever had anybody tell something on you wasn't true? And you couldn't defend yourself? Oh, boy, I have a bunch of time. They try to dig up stuff on you. They say things about you that are not true to get people to not trust you. You know what the Word of God teaches us to do? Just keep on being who Jesus Christ made you to be. Keep on walking in step with God and hand in hand with Jesus. Keep in the word. Keep on your face. Keep living above reproach. And God will make it very clear that there are no grounds to reprove their false accusations. Amen? Oh, God help us. Because what you want to do is you just want to defend yourself. Well, I'll tell you, it's not. People will try to find you walk with God. And let me tell you who won't give you any trouble. Those who don't know God and have no knowledge of God will never give you trouble. It's those religious people, the Pharisees and the Sadducees of the 21st century are the ones who will give you trouble because they feel as though bringing you down will make them look higher. Don't work like that, amen? Pharisees are the legalists, the Sadducees are the liberals, and we got both of them. Well, Johnny used to say the, the Sadducees were liberal and that's why they were so sad, you see. But anyhow, I, no, <laughs> I saw liberals. <laughs> see, because we are people who have been reconciled by the love of a holy God, we must never be afraid to uh, declare our allegiance to the world. Amen? I want you to live by reproach. Let me move on to a, a final thing. There's the purpose of reconciliation. Verse 23. It's very clear. The key word in verse 23 is the word continue. If you indeed you continue. See, one of the most difficult things for professing Christians to do is continue. It's easy to start the race and it's easy to quit. Quitting is a very easy thing to do. It requires no effort or preparation. But staying true and steadfast requires determination 
It requires a heart that is prepared to do whatever it takes so Jesus calls us home. So that's one of the most difficult things for professing Christians to do today is continue. See, when a man continues walking with the Lord faithfully day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, it gives clear evidence to the validity of his conversion. (laughs) Wow. John MacArthur said this, one of the most sobering truths in the Bible is that not all who profess to be Christians are in fact truly saved. Jesus talked about that in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 and following, he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many of you will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Apart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Some translations say, you workers of iniquity. I want you to know today, there are a world of people, and it breaks my heart to think about it, to have a very good knowledge of God in their head and may even have an emotional experience in their past who have never fully repented and trusted Jesus and him alone and have more than just a head knowledge of God but a full heart knowledge relationship with God and not just an emotional experience in the past but a day that you can remember when God truly transformed your life and that you are in the process of that transformation continuing through progressive sanctification every day. You see, Jesus encountered the tendency to not continue on the part of some of his followers after he taught them in John chapter 6. Here's what he said in verse 66. It says, They, the followers, withdrew and were not walking with him anymore. And they gave evidence that they were not truly disciples of Christ. You know what Jesus asked them, went to his disciples? He said, They're all walking away. Will you go away with them? Will you also go away? Sometimes you've got to ask yourself, what would it take? And you have to get real honest with yourself. You have to let the Spirit of God speak into your heart on this. Yeah, what would it take? There have been a million times in my journey that Satan has tried his very best to get me to quit. There have been a million times in my journey that Satan has done his very best to get me to realize and magnify my failures. But I want you to know with every time of that, first thing he did is he placed a young lady in my life when I was a young boy who sits right here with me every Sunday that reminds me that God has his hand on me. And I just want to be honest with you. Even if all y'all don't believe he does, if she says he does, then I believe her. Let me tell you why. Because she go home with me. And don't none of y'all want that job. (laughs) They're laughing, Ray. I think... No, no, no. But I'll tell you something happened yesterday. I'm going to be done. I got to 
thinking about how Epaphras, you know, I told you he walked about 13 to 1,500 miles or traveled somehow. He got, went a long ways from Colossae to that Roman jail to get a word from God through God's man. And I've asked you from the beginning of this service, when have you ever got burdened enough? This whole series, I said, when have you ever got burdened enough you'd be willing to walk if it took it or travel by something other than an airplane or a nice commercial vehicle? that you would go that far to find an answer from God for you or your church. Well, I, you know, this past week, I don't know about you, I, I bet you all had challenges this week, didn't you? Y'all did? Y'all had challenges? We all did. I did. You did. We all got stuff. I've got a lot of people in our church that are either in the hospital or at home, and, and you know, I've been on the phone a whole bunch and, and stopped and checked on folks and all this kind of stuff and, and you know, and making sure that I'm... Uh, Fully prepared to talk. I got a lot more in my note. I'm not going to get to get to it all today. But you know, through all that, you just start feeling like, poor Lord, I'm just not making any difference at all. You ever do that? Well, yesterday I had this little girl, Misty, um, and she's Emma Grace's little friend. And at the end of the day, we're big time entertainment, and uh, I, I'm just enjoying these kids. I, I love kids. You know why? Because they're honest and they haven't got all tainted with all the politically correct stuff of the world, you know. And this little girl who, uh, she goes to another church, just came with Emma Grace as her friend, and goes to a different school, doesn't even go to our school, it was in Calhoun County. And I started out of the room after y'all had pizza and all that kind of stuff, and, and y'all won't believe this, y'all gonna be proud of me. They brought a bunch of pizza in there, and I said, oh, good, everybody else can have it. You know, you know how bad I like, you know how much I like pizza. Don't don't comment, don't comment, okay. But I'm thinking, what the I'm thinking, man, this is tough. So I'm walking out, thinking about the week I've had and thinking about the challenges ahead. And this little girl walked by and she turned around and she says, I have something to say to you. I'm like, oh boy. Uh, uh. She stuck out her hand and she told me her name. And she says, I just want to thank you for being here today. Elementary, middle school, early. And I said, well, man, I really enjoy being here with y'all. I mean, some of these motorcycle games, I'm a little car sick, but other than that, I'm great, right? And then she said this. She said, I just want to tell you that I thank God for putting you on earth. I come home and told Angie, I thought, Let me just say this to y'all. Everybody, look at it. This includes everybody. This is you too, Jeannie. Okay, because my buddy Jeannie. I'm going to say to all y'all, even David Hale back here. Look here. I thank God he put all y'all on earth. Because there's a bunch of people out there that'll tell you you're not worth it and you're no good and you shouldn't even try. But I want you to know I'm glad because you know why him putting you on earth meant that I got to be with you today meant that we got to be together to worship the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. This little girl said, and do you know what? All those struggles I had last week and all the problems I dealt with and all the pressure and the stress, for just a few seconds, it just melted away. <laughs> and I got in my truck and I said, well, I'll tell you what, I never talked to the devil much. I talked to God, let him talk to him for me. But I said, Lord, I'd just like to tell him something if it's okay. <laughs> Mr. Devil, <laughs> sorry, good for nothing, lying, cheating, scoundrel you are. I want you to know that there's a little girl in there. It's glad I'm here. 
I know there's a lot of people wish I wouldn't. <laughs> but I said, there's a little girl that just said she cleaned. And I said, wow. Let me just say this to you. You're here because God thought you were worth reconciling your, to him through the death of his son. And whether you are a child, a student, a young adult, a median adult, or a way up younger adult, he loved you that much. And all it takes is for you to just acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord and acknowledge that you are a sinner and trust him for your eternal salvation. We try to make it hard, don't we? The Gnostic says you got to do this and this and this. The Bible says, whosoever will, let him come, take of the water of life freely that he'll never thirst again. Jesus went to the cross to get between you and hell. Embrace him today. Receive him today. Don't just think about him up here. Know him in here. Have a love relationship with him. Don't trust an emotional experience that you kept on believing, living the same way you did because when he comes in, he changes all that. Come to Jesus and let him reconcile you to the Father today. Pray with me. Father, in Jesus' name, I just want to thank you for the word. Oh, Lord, there's so much in my heart, and you know it, and so many things you taught me this week, and so many things I wrote down. And but Lord, I always know that regardless of what my plan is, you're the author of this sermon. You're the author of the scripture. You're the Lord of this preacher. And God, you direct us. Lord, I believe today, there are people in this room today who just need to be reconciled. They need to realize there's a gulf between them and you. And that gulf was created by sin of which we all had to deal with and have to deal with. Today, Lord, I pray for those in this room that are lost. Oh, God, may they not leave here lost. God, may on the very first word, the very first verse of this invitation song, May they step, make a step they'll never be sorry they took. Oh, God, may they walk this aisle today to an altar. May they give me an opportunity just to share with them, once again, how much you love them, an opportunity to pray with them, an opportunity to see them pass from death into life, an opportunity to see them, Father, be transformed today as a new creation in Christ, that old things will become new as the old things pass away. Lord, we love you today. I love your people. I love all people because of what you put in my heart a long time ago. God, thank you for sending that little girl to look me in the eye yesterday and encourage me beyond measure. God, those things give me the strength to press on. Lord, change somebody today's my prayer. In Christ's name. Amen and amen. I want you to stand all across the house.
want you to look at me here just for a moment before Terry leads us. This little chorus says, I need you more, more than yesterday, more than words can say. Today, if you're in this room and you don't know Jesus, hear me. My old buddy Matt Edwards used to say, we're casting out that life preserver of the gospel today. I'm just asking you to grab a hold of the other end and let Jesus draw you home. If you're here today and you're kind of like, I don't know, maybe I just had kind of an emotional experience. I'm not sure. I really submitted, repented, and being transformed. Boy, today's the day to get it right. It's going to be a sad day for a lot of folks. I say, Lord, didn't we do all the stuff? And you hear Jesus say, I never knew you. I don't want that to be you. If you're here today and you have other decisions to make about your obedience and your walk with Jesus, find you put somebody you want to pray for, somebody that's hurting and needs your prayers, find a place on an altar and cry out to Jesus. Terry, you lead us when you're ready and you come as God speaks to your heart, friend. I need you more More than yesterday I need you
ushers are coming. Miss Terry, thank you for leading us today. Appreciate you doing that so much. Miss Connie, as always, we just appreciate y'all leading us in our choir. Y'all did a tremendous job today leading us in worship. We love you very, very much. Now's the time of our service where we worship through giving, and it is an act of worship. And uh, as we worship today, we're declaring, as we remind you often, our total dependence on God and our lack of independence. Because we know it's all His. The tithe is holy unto the Lord, but really everything we have is because of Jesus. Amen? So I'm grateful to God for that, and I know you are too. So as you give today, you know you're a part of something. As I remind you often, hell itself can't stop. It's the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're investing in ministry and missions here, <laughs> there, and everywhere. Right here at home across the street, around the world, and I appreciate your commitment to that, and I trust that God will use it greatly in his kingdom's work as we obediently trust him with our giving today. Let's join our hearts together and ask God's blessings on our giving.
Jesus, Jesus. Without him, I would be nothing. You believe that? But through him, we can do all things. I'm grateful for that. Hey, just a couple of quick reminders before we dismiss today. Don't forget this coming week on um, Wednesday, 6 o'clock for everybody, children, students, and adults, everybody at 6, so don't forget that. Pray much this week about whether God would have you be a part of a mission team to Utah this summer. Uh, the meeting, as I told you, is next Sunday right after the service, so if you have any interest on that, you'll need to get there and get all that information so that you can... Uh, be a part of it all possible because we want to see God do great things. I know well, you saw a few pictures there as we were taking the offering of last year's kids camp there and we're excited to be able to do that again and just know this church that I deeply love you and there's nothing you can do about it. Amen. I mean I had a guy holler at me in the Jack's parking lot this week. Blowed his horn flagged me down, right? Doesn't go to our church either, but watches us regular. Goes to another church, watches us regular. And he said to me, he says, hey, bud, I love you, and there's nothing you can do about it. And uh, I said, amen to that. So it, it's a, that's a good thing to catch on, isn't it, Keith? There's a lot of bad stuff out there people say that people pick up and repeat. I'd love for us to be repeated. That's not an original thought with me. I learned it from my good friend, Phil Wade, who many of you met at one of our skeet shoots, He's a pastor of Northside Church in our Murchie, Georgia. Amen. Became a dear friend to me when I served in Floyd County, Georgia. And I learned that from him because I saw his unconditional love for the people he served. And he really has it, still does, and just a wonderful friend, godly pastor. And I remember thinking, you know, when I came here, I thought that's going to be my thing. People are going to know that I love them and there's nothing they can do to stop me. So that's a good thing it needs to catch, right? Thank God for that. I had these two little guys come up to me too as I got inside. And the little guys in, in, in the community here and said, hey, pastor, our daddy ain't here and we're hungry and we don't have any money for food. Can you help us? I said, get in line, boys. Get whatever you want. And their daddy is over there laughing. He's just going to see what I do. Amen. <laughs> He said, I don't think you know how much it costs to feed those boys. I said, I don't really care. because I said, But I was just tickled that they would even approach me, much less say, hey, I'm hungry. I said, if you're ever in here and your daddy's not here and you're hungry, you look me up, buddy. Amen. That's the kind of impact and infectious love we need to have on our community. Amen. Where people know we're not just using a slogan. It's not a gimmick. We really mean it. Okay. And I want you to know I really, really mean it. So let's stand together. Miss Terry's going to sing us out. And I want you to have a great Lord.